Welcome to worship. Today we are continuing our series called Family Matters, and today's topic has the potential to revolutionize our relationships. Today is all about forgiveness. Forgiveness is one of those things that can set us free if we let it. Our students studied this topic a couple weeks ago, and we studied the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples. And within that prayer is a reminder that we have been forgiven. Jesus said, forgive others as you have been forgiven. We first have been forgiven by God. And this sets us free to live as Christ's ambassadors in this world. And so as we come together to worship today, let us open our hearts and our minds to forgiving those who live around us Set aside anything that is distracting us. At this time, as we come together, let us fully immerse ourselves in worship of God. Welcome to worship. Hey, everybody. It's great to be with you for worship. Um, you know, when we think about what it means that Jesus gave himself for us on the cross, um, those of us that have uh, been in church a long time and or have heard that um, our whole lives, sometimes we can hear the words and it doesn't really sink in the way that it should. And so I just invite you that as we worship together today, that you would go back to that first moment when you truly realize the depth of the love of Christ for you. Let's worship. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow. Where you go, I'll go. Where you stay, I'll stay. When you move, I'll move. I will follow.
Take our failure, you take our weakness. 
Welcome to Stonebridge Online. Feel free to pause the video during these announcements in order to grab all the information you may need. During this time of worshiping virtually, it's important to continue contributing to the ongoing ministry of Stonebridge. Here are the ways in which you can give. You can give online through our website at stonebridgecme.com. Click on online giving. You can also give through your bank's bill pay option, or you can give by mail. If you'd like business reply offering envelopes sent to you, please contact the church office. Simi Valley Samaritan Center serves the homeless and most disenfranchised in our community. For everyone's health and safety, the Samaritan Center has discontinued its free nightly dinners. Instead, they're asking for $5 and $10 gift card donations to restaurants like Subway, Carl's Jr., Tommy's Burger, or Taco Bell. Every evening, gift cards are distributed to those in need. You can help by purchasing gift cards and sending them to Stonebridge. On behalf of our church, we'll make sure the cards are safely delivered. On Sunday, May 31st at 10.30 a.m., we will be having a congregational meeting over Zoom. It's super important to register for this meeting in advance, so please use the link found in last week's newsletter or you can find the link on the screen. Over the last couple of weeks, Pastor Neil has given updates for Stonebridge regarding our finances and reopening the church. You can find both of these updates in the weekly emailed newsletter. And lastly, we'd love to know that you're participating in worship. Continue to share your prayers and praises by emailing prayers at stonebridgecme.com. Or if you're following along in version, please take the time to fill out the e-connection card. You are important to us. Once again, thanks for worshiping with us online. Hi, Stonebridge. Today, our scripture comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 30. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Suffice to say, everything went badly. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost 
and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look, all these years I have been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. Within the act of forgiveness lies an extraordinary power. It is the power to right wrongs, heal wounds, and ultimately change the course of history. It is a call to show grace and mercy, not merely as a social recommendation or personal disposition, but as a mandate from the God who forgave us first. Out of love, he chose to take all of our personal garbage and sweep it away, erasing it from our past. In exchange, we have received a clean slate, a brilliant future filled with opportunities to pass this gift on to each other. Through the love of Christ, we too have the power to overlook offenses, right wrongs, and heal history. We too have the power to sweep it all into a big pile of garbage and watch it burn away. Because of the one who showed mercy on us first, we too have the power of forgiveness. Hello, Stonebridge. I have three older brothers, and the middle one is seven years older than me. So when I was eight years old, he was 15, and he would babysit me. And torment me the way older siblings torment younger ones. Uh, he, he'd get me in a headlock and rough house. And I remember getting chewing gum stuck in my hair. And one time he found an old rug and he rolled me up in it and rolled me down a hill uh, behind our house. Well, you know, not much harm done, but it hurt my feelings. I think I was hurt as much by the fact that I didn't have a big brother the way I wanted and wished I had as much as any of the other stuff that he'd actually done to me. Um, you know, I was only eight years old, but I was smart. I knew I couldn't get back at my brother. I mean, he was so much bigger than me, uh, so much stronger than me for now. But I began to think, you know, I'm eight and he's 15. But when I'm 68, he's going to be 75. I'll bet he's going to be in a wheelchair and I'm still going to be strong and he's going to be weak. And I began to plan and plot my revenge. Oh, I imagined that uh, I would go to visit him in his old folks home. And behind the old folks home, there'd be a beautiful view over a valley with a steep hill. And I'd take him out for a stroll and reminisce with him about the good old days. And just when we got to the top of the hill, I'd say, and do you remember that old rug? <laughs> and then I would, well, <laughs> I was eight years old. Uh, and um, none of that 
obviously ever happened. But I do want to say that while that's a funny story, uh, it was painful. It was a little traumatic for me. And I'll tell you a little bit more about what actually happened between us in a little bit. Uh, but in case you uh, haven't guessed by now, this sermon is going to be about forgiveness. And I want to talk first to those of us who have had deep wounds and very painful experiences, maybe a very long time ago. And I want you to know, I'm not going to pick on you in this sermon. It's so easy for preachers and pastors and even relatives to misunderstand forgiveness and re-wound the very people who have had uh, the, the greatest hurts. And I don't want to do that uh, to you. People who have had real challenges with forgiveness have been on my heart and mind and in my prayers as I have prepared this message. Jesus came to heal broken hearts, to give life and to give it abundantly, to set people free. And that's what the story of the prodigal son is about that we've heard. That's what forgiveness is about. It's not about rewounding you or laying heavier burdens on you. So let's get right to it and let's define forgiveness. Forgiveness means to cancel another's obligation. So we've heard about student loan forgiveness recently. If you go to studentaid.gov, you'll read this about forgiveness. It says this, forgiveness means that you are no longer required to repay your loan. In other words, no longer required to repay what you owe. It's easy to get it mixed up when it comes to forgiving other people though. And so let's get one thing straight from the very beginning. It's our first point, and it's this. Forgiveness is a decision. What comes next is something else. Forgiveness is a decision. What comes next is something else. So let's go back to the story of the prodigal son. And we read in Luke 15, verse 20, But while he was still a long way off, the younger son, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for uh, for him, and he ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Forgiveness is a decision. What comes next is something else. All we have to do is look at uh, the students who've had their loans forgiven. So, do you know there are 45 million people with student loans? Let's just imagine a million of them have those loans forgiven. And one young woman uh, decides to put the money she had spent on loans in savings, and a young man decides to support. Uh, orphans with uh, Compassion International. Are those the only two things that can be done uh, after the decision is made to forgive their loans? No, there's like a million things. Every individual could come up with other things. So you see, it's a, the, the, the decision to forgive is one thing, and what comes after, well, that's something else entirely. Uh, so it's important for us to understand this when it comes to forgiving other people because it's in those other things that people are so often wounded. There are implications and questions that, uh, that rise up when we think about forgiving other people. Uh, there are implications and questions like, do we have to ever see them again? Do we have to pretend that nothing ever happened? Do we have to forgive and forget? Do I even have to risk 
being hurt by them again. And the wonderful freeing lesson and answer from the story of the prodigal son is no. No. We don't have to face all those implications and questions as we decide to forgive someone. That all comes later. And honestly, there's no one right answer. The story of the prodigal son makes a clear distinction between the father's act of forgiveness and the future implications of that act. Jesus gave us this story because forgiveness is so important. He knows that unforgiveness eats away at our hearts and our souls and even our relationships with one another and with God. Jesus gave us this story, and Luke wrote it down and recorded it as an invitation to us to consider forgiving. So, well, we've read the story, and it's the story uh, of this son who takes his inheritance early and heads off and uh, walks out on his father and engages in a lifestyle that's completely unacceptable to the father, even to the point of embarrassing his father in front of his community. Whatever we think or we understand about this story, the people hearing it for the first time, they totally understood how bad this was, this story that was unfolding before them. And just when they thought it couldn't get any worse, it gets so much worse. Because the boy, uh, the son, goes to work for a pig farmer, which is the worst thing you could possibly do in a culture that has dietary restrictions. Jesus was painting as hard a picture as he possibly could. Everyone was on the edge of their seats waiting to find out what's going to happen if and when this father and son ever meet again. And it says this, But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son. So we often ask the question, where would the father have had to have been standing And what would he have had to have been doing in order to see the sun while he was still a far way off? The implication is that he was standing and looking for his son. From everything we see the father doing, it's clear that him forgiving his son was a foregone conclusion. Listen again. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him and he ran to his son. The father wasn't filled with mixed emotions, just one, compassion. He didn't wait for his son to reach him, he ran to him. And he isn't pacing around playing out what if scenarios in his mind. He isn't oh, rubbing his face in in indecision. There's none of that. Jesus says he ran to his son. The father had made his decision. And I'm not saying that forgiving someone is an easy decision. It may be the hardest decision we ever have to make in our lives. It's just that it's a decision. And what comes next is something else. And that something else is introduced in this story through the older brother. And I'm so grateful that Jesus includes the older brother in this story. When we put ourselves in this story as the father, then we're talking about being the one who forgives. And the older brother represents everybody else in our lives. 
everybody else with an opinion about what we should or shouldn't do. And um, to be honest with you, the older brother, he's not wrong. Listen to what it says. Verse 25, Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field and refused to go in to the party that had been thrown for the younger one. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fatted calf for him. The older brother rightly points out the inequity of the situation, how he had had to work hard, and now this brother is going to get off scot-free. He's seen also how broken-hearted his father was, and he has no confidence that this younger brother has changed, that, that he's not going to hurt his father again, and it makes him angry. In our lives, there are older brothers. There are people who say, you have to forgive anyone who hurts you. And there are others who say, how dare you let them off the hook? And still there'll be others who manipulate us and try to manipulate us through forgiveness. I had an employee who happened to be a Christian, and uh, he was always late to work. And as a supervisor, I pulled him aside and began to talk to him about that. And he said, please forgive me. And I thought, well, I, this doesn't have anything to do with forgiveness. This is about being a good employee and, uh, you know, professionalism. But he insisted, he pushed, he said, I need you to forgive me as a Christian for uh, being late. And I thought, well, fine. I finally said, I forgive you. And before the words left my lips, that man jumped up and he said, you have forgiven me. It's forgotten. It's as if it never happened. You cannot bring it up again. Wow. I thought to myself, well, he's got that memorized as if he's used this story before. And I just said to him, look, you can say whatever you want, but this is your final warning. The next day you're late is your last day. All the what ifs and the unfairs and the manipulations that come up in our lives. Oh, they're all there in the uh, older brother's response. And Jesus doesn't shy away from the challenge of it. There's no final resolution in this story. Here's how the story ends. The setting is outside in the dark. The party's going on inside. And the brother, the older brother and the father are in a heated conversation, maybe even an argument. And the brother's voice is probably being raised. And uh, he argues his point and his father responds. And then eventually the father says, we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. That is the father's decision. And we don't know what happened next. Jesus closes the story with the decision. As if all the next stuff that happens, that's another story. We don't know if there was any resolution between the two brothers. And this distinction, this separation between the decision to forgive and what comes next is so important because we need to have the freedom to choose to forgive. Period. End of story. Separate from what comes next. If there's someone uh, who has done something to us and we are hurt, we're still hurt, maybe weeks or months or years or even a lifetime since it happened to us, 
In this story, Jesus invites us to decide to forgive, not because it's our Christian duty, not because someone is pressuring you, especially not because the person who hurt you is pressuring you. So why? Why does Jesus give us this invitation to forgive? Why would we accept it and forgive someone so they no longer are required to repay us what they owe? What possible benefit is there that would make the very difficult decision and the act of forgiveness something we'd be willing to do? The answer is our second and final point, and it's this. Forgiveness is a gift we give ourselves. Listen to verses 20 to 24. The father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put a ring on his finger. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Forgiveness is a gift we give ourselves. I'll be honest with you, that's a saying that I could have tattooed on my arm because I believe it so clearly now. And there's a reason why I believe it now. I was scared. Back when I was a brand new pastor in my first year as an associate pastor, uh, the ministry leader for the church's divorce recovery group invited me to come and teach a lesson at divorce recovery class. And I said, sure. And, you know, I think there's probably 12 uh, lessons in the series. And the lesson that he assigned me was titled, Forgiveness is a Gift We Give Ourselves. Oh, I was afraid for two reasons. First, because I didn't believe it. I thought it was a trite, happy saying that had no grounding in reality or in Scripture. And secondly, I was afraid because I was going to walk into a room full of divorced people and try to tell them this. Some of them had really horrible exes, and all of them had been hurt by their ex-spouses. Some of them, uh, their spouses had had affairs or left them with children with no child support and done other awful things. All of them had been negatively impacted in their lives and the lives of the people they loved by these ex-spouses. And they had come to class to hear something helpful and hopeful. The last thing I wanted to do was to touch those wounds that they'd already had by telling them the Bible says to do this or to do that and to have them hurt again and this time by a spiritual authority. And now I, the pastor, was about to tell them that they should forgive their ex-spouse because it's a gift they give themselves. Are you kidding me? Well, I studied that lesson and I went to that ministry leader and I told him my, my concerns. And he who was divorced himself and he said to me, Neil, this is the most powerful lesson in the series. So... I, I did it, and um, I taught it, and I began to lead the people through verses and exercises. For much of the time, I had my head down in my notes and in my study guide and my heart up in my throat. 
At first, I didn't think I was doing a very good job. Later, I was sure of it. When everyone stopped answering my questions and stopped making eye contact, I stopped and really focused on the class. They were all crying. They began to talk about how the rage and bitterness towards their exes was eating them alive. They would lie awake at night in emotional pain and cry themselves to sleep, all the while knowing that their ex didn't feel any of it. It was as if they were in prison, not their ex-spouses. It was they who were suffering. They were beginning to understand that Jesus wanted to set them free, to cancel their, another person's obligation so that they wouldn't have the burden of unforgiveness. Their exes may have wounded them the first time, but it was they who were continuing to hurt themselves by hold, holding on to us. So let's go back to our definition of forgiveness. Forgiveness means to cancel another's obligation. That obligation is a debt owed by us, uh, is a debt owed us by a debtor. And if that sounds familiar, it's because Jesus taught us in the Lord's Prayer to pray, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. For the divorce recovery class members, this meant no longer requiring the apology their exes owed them. It means no longer requiring them to make up years of life that they stole from them. They no longer owe us the shame that their actions should cause them. And we no longer need them to be hurt the way they hurt us. I didn't say it would be easy. But those divorce recovery class members got it. They understood but maybe some of us are still a little unsure. Maybe this doesn't sound like that great a gift to us. After all, don't the people who hurt us deserve to suffer, to be ashamed, to be held responsible? You won't get any argument from me. On that, we agree. But what if they never do feel ashamed? What if they are never held accountable? Who suffers, them or us? What is the price of unforgiveness? In my case, it was the loss of a relationship with my brother over a lifetime. Or I should say, it could have been the loss of a relationship with my brother over a lifetime. If I had allowed those uh, hurts and angers and bitterness and rejection and desire for revenge to stick with me, but gratefully, Many, many years ago, I forgave my brother. I no longer required him to repay whatever it was I thought that he owed me. I was probably 15, the age he was when all of that was happening, and I understood a little bit more about being a teenager. And I never talked to him about it. I just forgave him. I don't know what he would have said, what he would have thought about it but I canceled my brother's obligation. And I'm so grateful that I did because he became the big brother I really wanted. And when I say big brother, I mean it. He's 6'6", and he outweighs me by 100 pounds. He knows the world in a way I don't. And for many years, I knew that if I ever got in trouble, I could call on my big brother to come and help. Boy, am I glad 
that I forgave him. Forgiveness was a gift I gave myself. That's not to say it's all everyone lived happily ever after. And if my brother had hurt me more than just the normal kind of stuff that happens in, in families, well, I might have forgiven him but never spoken to him again. So don't take my story as a prescription for yours. We're all different. But I wonder if you caught something that I said just a minute ago. I never spoke to my brother about it. While it's good for there to be reconciliation between people, we don't have to go to the person and get right with them in order to be able to forgive them. In fact, some of the people that we need to forgive may be dead. Or the situation so toxic we can't engage them. Or they don't want to have anything to do with us. As selfish as this sounds, we forgive others for ourselves. Certainly, there are verses that tell us that if somebody asks for forgiveness, we should give it to them, and that's true. Uh, But that happens pretty rarely in my experience. I'll be honest with you. There isn't a verse in the Bible that says forgiveness is a gift we give ourselves. But this story of the prodigal son and his father, this lesson comes to us from it. Let me read again. The father ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. So, how long do we think that father was standing there looking for his son afar off? I'm going to guess since his son left and headed out the other direction. We know how long the son had been thinking about the father. Not very long, just since he had come to his senses and was sitting in the middle of a pig trough. So when that son comes back and his father runs to him and embraces him and hugs him and kisses him, which one of them benefited most from the father's forgiveness? The father did. Of course, the son, he got new clothes and he got better food, but the father had his broken heart healed. And in that case, though not in all, he got his son back. Forgiveness was a gift the father had given himself. The divorce recovery class members were crying because the room felt as if a door had been swung open and light and air and life was rushing into their hearts. Someone has said unforgiveness is like giving the person who hurt you free rent in your brain to go on hurting you. Someone else has said that unforgiveness is like drinking poison and thinking the other person is going to get sick. That person, they don't know they're in our heads. And refusing to forgive us, uh, refusing to forgive is just us drinking the poison of bitterness and rage and revenge. That person doesn't know we're drinking it. And they don't need to know that we've stopped drinking it, that we've forgiven them. We can say in our hearts and to God and just out into the world, I no longer require the emotional payment this person owes me. I no longer require that they feel bad or apologize. I expect and require nothing, so when they give me nothing, it no longer hurts. I am free of them. I forgive them. This is not a gift for them. This is a gift. I give myself.
Holding on to anger or grudges will not bring justice to the other person, nor will it hold them accountable for their wrongdoing. The grief and pain only affects us. Holding on does not give us power. It makes us powerless. I taught that class a long time ago, and I have since learned the lesson. And whenever a situation about forgiving someone arises, I try to do it right away. I'm going to finish by reminding us, Jesus gave us this story because he wanted to invite us to experience the freedom of forgiving others. Will you accept his invitation and give yourself the gift of forgiveness? Let's pray. Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters that you would bless them, that they would be able to let go of the things in their lives that hurt, that they would be able to decide to forgive and then worry about all those other things later. Maybe in the midst of a growth group, be able to talk about all the implications and questions, but in their own hearts, be able to forgive. Would you help them do it, Lord? In Jesus' name, amen. Often when we think of worship, we think of the music and we think of the message. Yet another important element of worship is our giving. When we give back to God, we are expressing our trust in God. And we're expressing our trust in God's provision. And when we pray over our offerings, we are asking God to bless what we give and use what we give for God's purposes and God's kingdom. To make it simple for you, if you'd like to give today, you can go to stonebridgesimi.com and uh, click on the online giving tab. Let's pray. Loving God, you are the giver of all good things, and your word makes clear that every good and perfect gift comes from you. We ask that you would accept our gifts as a faithful act of worship, and that you would use our gifts to your glory. May these gifts bring shelter to the homeless, comfort to the sick, rest to the weary, and hope to the hopeless. Just as you multiplied the offering of fish and loaves, we would pray that you would multiply our offerings and accomplish with them more than we could ever ask or imagine. We pray in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for being a part of Stonebridge. At this time, it seems like a lot of things are being canceled or postponed. But one thing that we are not going to cancel is celebrating our seniors. Each year, our seniors would gather together with their family for a brunch in the youth room. This year looks a little different. But what hasn't changed is our dedication to our high school seniors. Over the next couple weeks, you're gonna have the opportunity to get to know these valued members of our community. I've been so privileged to work with them over the years and to watch them grow and mature. So this is a special moment for me. I'm so grateful for these seniors and as they eagerly look towards graduation and what comes next for them, we wanna take a moment to celebrate and to give love and show them that they belong here. Join me in celebrating our seniors. Well, The Places You'll Go by Dr. Seuss. 
Congratulations! Today is your day. You're off to great places. You're off and away. You have brains in, in your head and you have feet in your shoes. You can steer yourself any direction you choose. You're on your own. You know what you know. And you are the one who decide where to go. You look up and down streets. Look them over with care. About some you'll say, I don't wish to go there. With your head full of brains and shoes full of feet, you're too smart to go down a not-so-good street. And you may not find any you'll want to go down. In that case, of course, you'll head straight out of town. It's opener there, in the wide open air. Out there things happen, and frequently do, to, brainy, to people as brainy and footsy as you. When things start to happen, don't worry, don't stew. Just go right along. You'll start happening, too. Ainsley, we are so proud of the years that you've had and the success you've had. So, so proud of you. Ainsley, we cannot wait to see what you do next. You have handled this COVID-19 graduation from high school like a champ, and we are just so excited for what's to come next in your career with school and your career as an adult. We love you, and we um, just are so proud of you. We love you, and we wish you continued success in all that you do. Hey, Sam, congratulations. We are so proud of you and all the hard work you put in through the last four years. Um, you are going to do amazing on your journey through life, and we love you and are just so proud of you. Hey Sam, I'm so proud of you. I know you didn't get to finish out the senior year the way you wanted to, but just know that I'm so proud of you and I can't wait to see what the future holds. Mantha girl, I love you so much. I um, just know that you are gonna do awesome things and I know that um, all of the hardship that you have endured is um, going to be used for God's plan and purpose and I just know that he is developing something so awesome and strong in you and I just love your heart and I just pray that you would always follow it and um, we love you. Hey Mamp, congratulations. We are so, have been so blessed to watch your gifts, talents and strengths emerge as you grow. You never cease to delight and amaze us. You are sensitive, caring, funny and strong all qualities that you will use as you move forward into a future that's wide open for you. We love you and so, so proud of you. As you prepare to go out into the world this week as ambassadors of Christ, let me encourage you with these words from Paul. May the God of endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice, you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Go in peace. Mm -hmm.